We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charge podcast, coming to you live on a Sunday evening uh, with my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing tonight? Doing pretty well. I am excited to talk about this group, and I tried so hard to get as many corners as I could graded, and yet it feels like I didn't do anything. This class <laughs> goes for so long. I believe yeah. there are 15 or 16 corners in the top 100, I think 17 if you can count 101 um, on Mock Draft Database's big board. I mean, this is a heck of a class. You talk about the tight ends class and how deep this tight end class is. It is, but there's like six tight ends. There's seven tight ends in the top 100. There's 15 or 16 corners in this top 100. It's really, really good. Yeah, no, I graded 15 corners. Um, I'll probably visit a couple more, you know, in the next couple of days here uh, before the draft. But um, this this group, man, I loved watching this group. I think this is the best position group in the draft. And you know, I had heard like, you know, when I was doing these interviews, right. And uh, Connor Rogers, Matt Miller, um, you know, Devin Jackson, some of these guys all said like, hey, this corner class is is legitimately like awesome. And, uh, you know, we saved it for last because, you know, it, it requires a certain amount of film being built up in, in the database that we work with. And so, you know, you got to make sure you watch the all 22 because you you can't grade cornerbacks when you're just watching on YouTube. I think you can get an understanding of like, Oh, like how are their ball skills? Like how's their tackling? But mm -hmm. you know, you have to watch all 22 to get a real feel for uh cornerback play. And so this is, this is why we waited this long. So um, 
it's uh, it's a great group, man, and, and I can't wait to see how this one pans out. So um, as we do every single show, we'll talk a little bit about maybe how we want to see the Chargers address the room because they, they, they do need some help in, in the room. Obviously, Bryce Callahan, really their only key departure, but like we've talked about, you know, Michael Davis is a free agent after the season. They have not extended him just yet. JC Jackson's health status is kind of up in the air. Um, so kind of from a, a, a broader sense here, Tyler, how would you, how would you like to see the Chargers address the room and maybe kind of what, what kind of style of corner do you think that they should be looking at in your kind of range? Yeah. The number one complaint seemed last year was someone that was not big enough to handle the run. So now some of that is just attitude. Some of that is just your ability to tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Asante Samuel Jr. always had that attitude. He just wasn't like the most physically gifted, um, both in terms of athleticism and in, in size and height. So, you know, I think they're going to be looking for someone who can do that. Now, if they don't, then they believe that's Jaw Taylor. That's why they brought him onto the field. That's why they kicked Asante Samuel Jr. off the field because they felt he could bring it in the run game. And I would agree. I would agree on like the short passes, run game. That is something Jaw Taylor can contribute to. So, you know, if I'm the Chargers, I'm looking for something like that. Um, depending what they would like to do. Like last year, the Chargers had JC, they had Michael Davis, and they had Asante Samuel Jr. I, and then Bryce Callahan was after the draft. But they, like I wanted them to draft Martin Emerson or, or someone in the third round. I think we talked about Alante Taylor. I wanted someone to just kind of become that man coverage corner of the future, someone who could press and move. Um, both those guys were really, really athletic, both of them, or at least Alante, Alante Taylor had ties to the team. So, mm-hmm. It's so tough to judge what they want because if JC could be really great to end the year and he's not really cuttable next year, he is, but you save like $4 million. Yeah, so it doesn't is, help that much. It doesn't help a ton. So, I mean, it might for the Chargers who are very cap strapped next year, but like you might want to go with him moving forward. Or let's say Michael, at this point, if Michael Davis doesn't have an extension, I think he's gone next year, which I is, think is kind of a mistake. But, um, and then it's obviously similar to Junior. I don't, I, I just don't know. So, if I'm then, I'm preparing for the kind of corner that Asante Jamal Jr. to them is not, which is not a, a run game contributor, it seems. Now, it's very tough to say that after the guy just had three interceptions the last time we saw him. Like, yeah. what, do you, what do you take him off the field for? A couple of running downs and a pass-first league against Mahomes? Not really, but that's what they would like. So for me, if I'm trying to meet where the Chargers are at, I'm looking for a bigger body guy who can move and do all the, all the things a corner should, but particularly is stout against the run. Yeah, definitely. I think this is, uh, again, this is a really good draft to, to need a corner and we'll see when exactly the, the chargers, you know, feel like they need to address that. But I think for me, you know, this is something that I've talked with about Brian branch and, you know, he's, he's going to be featured in the show. Um, I want them to get some more size, like whether that's on the outside, whether that's in the slot, like, I think they need more size and physicality. And, um, you know, you're kind of highlighting it in terms of, like, run defense. But, um, you know, they're going to need some some press man support, too. Like, I don't think that's the strength of uh, Jaw Taylor. That's not a strength of Asante Samuel Jr. They're more kind of, like, zone coverage, match routes, sit back and, and maybe try and bait some people. And Asante can do that at a very high level. Um, and we'll see about Ja Taylor, but they need some size and physicality to prepare for the Michael Davis, you know, departure potentially, as well as JC Jackson, you know, not necessarily being, you know, ready to rock. So I think you can work around Asante's ability or lack thereof in terms of the run game. And, and, you know, they did that with Ja Taylor a little bit. So 
you know, maybe on passing downs, you can bump Asante into the slot. And, you know, whenever you want to play some dime package, you can work around things. So I think the whole beauty of Brandon State's defense is it doesn't necessarily need somebody to be penciled into the slot like full time. Like I think that was the case for for Bryce Callahan. But if you go back and watch some of, you know, 2021 tape, like they're moving Chris Harris around pretty, pretty heavily. Um, and if you watch some of the Ram stuff like Darius Williams and um, Troy Hill, like they were kind of rotating back and forth between the slot and then they would move Jalen Ramsey into the slot as well. So I think the the type is size physicality, but I think it, it can come from a different spot. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be an outside corner. It doesn't necessarily have to be a slot corner. Um, so physicality and that flexibility, I think, is is super key when you're kind of looking for uh, for potential draft targets in this class. Yeah, that's fair. Because I've I've sort of looked at some of the slot guys or guys who are outside guys who could sort of move into the slot. And I was thinking of it that way, but I, I see what you mean with like looking at guys who are they don't have to be just like slot specific guys to play the slot. You can find other guys to mix and match, which I think I kind of thought was going to be their plan last year, but then they signed Bryce yeah. Callahan, so we never right. really got to see this whole plan play out. Yeah, and like I, like that size, I think is super important because if Michael Davis walks next year, like all of your other corners are sub six foot, except for Dean Leonard. Dean Leonard is obviously taller, but yeah, you know, he was a seventh round dart throw. Like we don't really know right. what you're going to get with him. So, um, you know, I, I think they need somebody above six foot, um, mm-hmm. you know, or at least that plays above six foot. So, I, I think you know a bigger corner like we talked about last year with Martin Emerson. And Alante Taylor, although Alante Taylor went like 42nd or something like that to the Saints last year. It was just like crazy. Yeah, he went um, early. Yeah, he went super early. So um, that's kind of my approach. So I guess the question here, Tyler, then next is what kind of draft range are we talking about for you? Because you know, me and you kind of message back and forth, like, how does this change things? Because this is the best position group. Do you say maybe at 21, maybe at 54? Hey, you know what? Like, let's try and get somebody one of these top tier guys in this class. And, you know, we'll kind of work around, you know, because tight end is deep, wide receiver is deep, you know, running back is deep. So, what kind of range are you potentially looking at? It's so tough to judge for this one, but I, considering the class and considering who could be there, all I know is this looking at these corners to a certain point. I almost wanted to throw out everything that we had thought of for the, how the Chargers should draft mm. this year. I I just think like if you are telling me that let's say let's say it's Banks, right? I think that's Daniel Jeremiah's like CB four in like the thirty ish range or something. If if that player is there and you're looking at him, and you do feel like JC ain't gonna play this year, we're trying to move on from Asante Samuel Jr. Like those those discussions need to happen first. Like if JC's not playing, if you want to move on from Asante Samuel Jr. Then at some point you're looking at a really really freaking good corner like a really 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 good one with a legit ras profile and at, i mean really at 21 but also at 54 versus an outlier player at, at, at wide receiver that you and your own system aren't comfortable with that you aren't even sure is going to translate in the nfl in general like i'm considering corner there if i'm looking at you know, another defensive tackle. Let's say Brian Brzee's there and or Kalaja Kansi, let's say they want to go with that. Or go after one of these corners who has a legit high second round grade, who's going to be your corner for the next four years. You can do so many things with. Like, I'm really considering corner. I'm I don't want to throw out all the draft strategy. I don't I don't actually sure. mean that, but like this corner class is so good 
that I feel like it would almost be a mistake, almost no matter who's there in the first, second, or third round, to not take them at least once. And if the first, like, I've only gotten to guys that I've run three grades on. I've graded 13 corners. So <laughs> I, I have no idea what this looks like on day three. But, like, the Chargers are going to have to take one of these corners. It would be irresponsible for them to not take one of these corners, in my opinion, at some point in the first three rounds. Yeah, it's almost like a feeling of, like, I would hate for them to miss out on this class. And, you know, every once in a while, you just come across these these groups, right, where there's just a ton of ton of receiving receiver talent, ton of running back talent, ton of tight end talent, which I think in this class is, is, is also applicable. So I think in a scenario where you're talking about, like, the Chargers trading down and you're looking at a board of, you know, some of the guys, obviously, like you mentioned, Deontay Bakes, maybe Emmanuel Forbes, maybe yeah. Darius Rush, Keely Ringo, like these guys, or, like, and the receivers are all gone and the tight ends are all gone. It's like, Mm, do I want a corner or do I want like Mozzie Smith or do I want, you know, Drew Sanders, yeah. like, you mm-hmm. know, these just throwing out some names here. So I think it is a possibility where the Chargers trade down and they take a corner and then you can, you know, target all offense on day two with your additional top 100 pick that you're going to get in a trade down scenario. So I, you know, um, Alex Katzen and I did like a trade up video a, a few months back and it was, you know, Alex decided that he wanted to target Joey Porter. I hadn't watched the quarters, the corners at the time. And people were like, Oh, they're they're They would never draft a corner in the first round. Like that's just not something that they're going to do. And it's like, well, I don't know if that's true or not. And, you know, now that I feel so strongly about the cornerback class, it's like, this is a real possibility. I think people should be preparing for in the first round. Yeah. Uh, I would absolutely be preparing for it. And you know, trading up, I can't get behind, but even, even sure. then I would sort of get it because you're allocating, allocating resources towards, I mean, Joey Porter Jr. is like a CB1 in a lot of classes, you know, or a CB2 yeah. or something. I think he's like sort of a consensus, like three to five right now. And like, I would, I would get it. I, I would completely get it. If the Chargers don't feel like they have the guys and one guy's going to be out for the year. I mean, you go, you go do that. That's a huge part. Like, the Chargers, yes, there's several reasons they lost that game against the Jaguars, but if they don't have Michael Davis getting hurt, they're winning that game. Yeah. And so if you feel like there's Change a corner, everything. yeah, if you feel like there's a corner in this class who, you know, does that for you this year, but then definitely next year when let's say Davis is gone and you, let's say you move on from JC Jackson, and then you can just maintain that consistency and excellence in the secondary with elite athletes and frankly elite prospects, in my opinion. I would get it. I would completely get it. Yeah. And, you know, we had this conversation. I, I want to say it was like in our Discord. Somebody asked us, like, how would you rank like the positions in terms of priorities for Brandon Staley? And, you know, I think cornerback is has a strong argument to be first, like first most important position in Brandon mm-hmm. Staley's defense. If it's not first, it's probably second. And so, you know, just with the uncertainty that is with this team, again, I don't think at 21, like, like outright at 21, I don't think you're taking a corner over over some of these other positions. But if you trade down and you miss out on some of those other position groups that we've mm-hmm. been talking about, you know, maybe you miss out on Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid at that point. Like I said, the receivers are gone. Like you're you're going to take a corner over a defensive lineman. Like you're going to take a corner over Jameer Gibbs, like all this stuff. So mm-hmm. it's just a scenario that I think is worth talking about. And then I think the other side of this too is is great point by Zeus, obviously talking about Asante first, but um, – you know, he says, I agree, though, the FOMO of this corner class is real. Could we get a corner in round four because the depth is so good? I think the answer to that, too, is yes. Like, I, my 15th corner right now is uh, Caillou Blue Kelly, and I'd be really happy with him in the fourth round. I think, like, he's got mm. 
he's got a really um, high fourth round grade for me. He's the only fourth round grade quarter that I have. So, mm. um, you know, could the cornerback group be pushed up? Yes. It could also be pushed down because teams feel like, hey, like, we yeah. don't necessarily need to take, you know, Emmanuel Forbes or Julius Brands or whoever here in the first round because we can go get another guy on day two or day three. So it's going to be very interesting. I think the depth of this class is very fantastic, though. So I think that this point by Zeus is also is also a good one to point out. Yeah, and he stated it perfectly with with FOMO, the fear of missing out. That's exactly <laughs> how I felt looking at this class because it's like, oh, man, like I, I know the Chargers, if all things go well, don't need a corner. But, man, how do you not take one of these guys? This class is so good. I have I didn't tally it exactly, but I think I had like 11 or 10 corners in my top 52. So basically in the top 50 for me. Yeah, that ain't the case for any other position. Uh, I think edge is close, but otherwise, no. I mean, this is this is, this is it's too good to pass up on one guy, and, and people aren't going to like it. I think we've like our main focus for the most part has been in some order: wide receiver, tight end, and edge. I think that needs to change, and I think that needs to consider depending on the board, of course. Like I think that's the right strategy overall, but considering the board, you know, depending on what you're seeing in the second round, third round. I think Chargers fans need to start mocking a corner to this team um, that would require watching the corners and using all 22 and knowing how these guys work and play. Um, but to me, you know, it's it won't be a favorite for a lot of fans if we start mock drafting corners in round two, round three, round four. But like these guys are really, really good. And I, I just I, I again fear of missing out. I would hate to miss out on one of these guys. Yeah. And again, this is this is another thing that's just kind of reiterated my desire for this team to trade down because I think there's so much good talent to be had on day two. Uh, this is a great corner class, great tight end class. And, you know, sitting at 21, it's just kind of, you know, they're kind of in no man's land this year with, with that pick. So um, ultimately we'll see what happens. And uh, you know, I'm excited to uh, dive into this group here. So, um, you know, like I mentioned, this is a great corner group. I, I feel really bad. Cause like, I, I can't even really like hype up Clark Phillips, man. Like I, I respect <laughs> anybody that has him like in the top 10, but I think it's important to be real about these prospects. And so, um, you know, as a Utah guy, like it's, it, that's how good this class is. Like, I just, I like, there are too many other guys that I have in front of him. So um, he's unfortunately not in my top 10. We'll see what happens with your list. And then uh, the other differentiating differ difference, between us two is I have Brian Branch as a corner. So Brian Branch is, is going to be in my top 10 as well. So yeah, um, excited to uh, dive into it. Tyler, I don't know if you have the the sheet ready and, and able to share, but um, once you do, we'll uh, get started here. Yeah, sounds good. I'll take care of that right now. As far as Branch goes, he would be probably like CB5, I think for me. Um, I don't think he'd be in my top three. And then it'd be kind of a battle between four and five. But that, that's why I kind of preferred him at safety anyway, because I just, or at least comparing him and ranking him as a safety, because I felt like safety one was more, you know, respectable and worth <laughs> what he could do on the field. Sure, sure, I get that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. So, uh, like Tyler pointed out on Twitter, we're actually doing a full 10 and then a just missed player because uh, this class is is just not stacked. So, um, you know, Tyler graded 13. I've graded 15. Um, it's just a, a, a great group. So, uh, Tyler, why don't you kick us off here with your your just missed, who would be your 11th corner? Ooh, my 11th corner. Okay. This is, is it's crazy to even talk about him here. Um, it's going to be DJ Turner for me out mm. of Michigan who it's kind of a jockeying between him and Travius Hodges Tomlinson, who uh, I love a lot, but it's more the, the precedent than anything with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but DJ Turner, like he's the dude's speed personified. Um, he can work and, and did work at Michigan from the slot, from the perimeter of the box, either side of the field, like you name it. And he's really got that true speed to carry guys down the field. Um I do like him more as a, as a man coverage corner. I do prefer watching him pattern match. He does have the athleticism to do that. Um, in, in zone, I, I did see more issues because even with that athleticism, some guys, like even though they're athletic freaks, they are a tad behind. And some of that's processing. Some of that's your ability to do other things that aren't just on the performance um, physical testing sheet. So, um, you know, he could carry Quentin Johnson down the field, no problem. And then there was one time he ran a comeback and he was like, 10 yards away from him practically because <laughs> he just wasn't able to like chop his feet and, and break it down and get back to Johnson again, despite being very athletic, I forget where his RAS ends up. Um, but in terms of like the speed profile, he's excellent, but there's something about the ability to work in zone and do things like that. He just isn't quite there. Um, the processing is just a, a tick behind and he's not that fluid in that sinking, but overall like very fast player, very good. I think man coverage guy, I would consider him moving him into the slot. Um, not the biggest guy, 36 percentile height guy, buck 78 in terms of weight. Um, so there's a concern, but he's a good mover downfield, um, faced a heck of a lot of college competition, and has yeah. a lot of good reps. So you, you just wonder about that move to the NFL. Yeah, uh, fastest player at the combine. I think it was 426 mm. officially. Uh, so that speed profile is very, very real. Um, I forget the player in Carolina's last name. I think it's Dante Jackson, if I'm not mistaken. Um, kind of reminded me of him because there was like a chance that the Chargers were interested in him hmm. back in 2021, like as a trade piece. So I went and watched him. So um, some similar vibes there just in terms of like speed profile, but just kind of being like a tick behind. Um, so he's again, I graded him. I, I like him. The, if the Chargers could snag him in the third round, I think that'd be fantastic. So um, he is let me make sure he is number 12 for me. So he's, okay. he's just missed, just missed. So. Uh, my 11th is going to be Tyreek Stevenson hmm. from Miami. Uh, he does have a Georgia connection as well for those who like pointing that out. So um, Tyreek Steven, I think Stevenson, I think, you know, size profile is fantastic. 
not the super, not the fastest player in the world, um, but I like his ball skills. I like his ability to press. Um, you know, I do happen to think that he would be a great fit as a slot corner, as a big slot corner. Um, that was like the reason why he transferred from Miami, though, is that or transferred from Georgia to Miami, is mm. that um, Kirby Smart wanted him to play their star slot role, and he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be an outside corner. So I think there's a lot to like there in terms of a slot protection projection. Um, you know, just like the size, physicality, his ability to match routes is, is really solid as well. So, um, I have some athletic concerns, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of deep speed, in terms of change of direction, which is kind of a theme in this class. Um, you know, I, I think there are some players who, who are not necessarily super twitchy in, in that regard, but, um, mm-hmm. Tyreek Stevenson has a lot to like. Nice. I'll have to give him a watch. One of the guys I didn't get to that I really wanted to, because on the consensus board, he's really high. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't get a chance to get to him. I don't think I've heard a thing about him, to be completely honest. Not that that's bad. You know, people just focus on their guys, but you'll have to give him a watch. Yeah. Um, Jim Nagy uh, said that he's higher on NFL teams boards than he is on the media. So um, we'll see what happens there. All right. Uh, Tyler, you want to go through, we'll do uh, 10 through seven, and then we'll go six through four, three, two, three through one. So uh, why don't you kick us off there? Sounds good. And yeah, guys watching and listening, 10 players this time, not eight, an adjustment. Um, that's how good this group is. We had to do this. So for number 10 for me is Eli Ricks. Rocks. Eli Ricks mm. out of Alabama, who barely played, but I'll get to him. Um, then at number nine, a player I did not love as much as everybody else, um, Kelly Ringo from Georgia. Uh, that turned me on to watching Cedric Tillman, if you're wondering how that went. <laughs> Yeah, uh, who I love now. And then Cam Smith, mm-hmm. at number eight uh, from South Carolina, which is insanity for me to even consider that he's the eighth guy on my list. Right. Um, which feels really mean. But actually, I have his teammate Darius Rush over him. Mm. Um, and it was I was so annoyed because I was hoping for anything like both these guys. The difference in grade was like point zero five. So I'm like, OK, maybe I'll look at you know, something else. Let's look at the composite rankings and they're literally next to each other on the stats based composite rankings yep. too. So it's like, you're on the same team with almost the same grade with almost the same, you know, stats based rankings. How do I break this up? I don't know. Um, so I'm cool with either of them. Both of them did excellent work. I'll talk about Cam Smith, I guess. Um, I was really impressed. One of the first things I noticed in that Tennessee game is that, and I had, I had to go then check his, his numbers after this was that they were very comfortable playing him in the slot against Jalen Hyatt which is something that he basically didn't do that entire season. I believe the first game of the year, he played like 42 snaps in the slot. Yep. But the five games before he played against Tennessee, it was six total snaps in the slot. And then suddenly they're like, all right, go cover Jalen Hyatt. And he had to you know, move all over the field. It wasn't just like he just happened to be the one guy on the slot on the field corner or something. Like he was always following Jalen Hyatt wherever he went, um, outside, inside, you name it. And that was really, really impressive. He wasn't asked to do like a ton the whole goal was i don't care if you give up 10 catches for 50 yards in front of you it just can't get behind you and overall like i didn't see him giving up anything to jalen hyatt if i'm not mistaken there was the touchdown given up to uh cedric tillman who again i'm starting to really like um (laughs) and i I, but that was like that was a tough grab i was a perfectly placed ball so i don't know how yeah he would have stopped that but um it was just uncomfortable back shoulder throw so um, as a zone corner, and especially in that game, like he's got this size, the athleticism, the quickness uh, to make up for that cushion and, and break up passes. One of the more productive guys coming out with 15 passes broken up. 
my my only concerns here um, penalties and tackling compared to maybe his, his counterpart um, 10 penalties last year second worst of the corners um, Hodges Tomlinson is the worst at 14 which yeah. is quite a bit which is the most I've ever seen I think um, the missed tackles are definitely an issue um, you know it's kind of a, it's more of a play style I think towards the run, um, but overall, it's crazy that Kem Smith is a second round grade for me. He's corner eight. There's nothing in this class in terms of position groups that's like that. He's really really good, and I'd be happy you know for a team to get him in the second round. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of hype around Cam Smith uh, from the jump. He's been a popular player, and so uh, I was excited to watch him. And there's there's a lot to like, man. I think his um just his instincts and coverage are really fantastic and and like you were mentioning you know he's able to really guard a diverse profile of receivers and i think that is something that really stands out for him um that's not the case for other players on this list who i who i really like too so i'm a tick lower than than you are with uh with cam smith but i still really really like the player mm-hmm. um you know I, I think that his ball skills stand out and like i mentioned his his ability to uh, you know, guard multiple different types of receivers stands out. Um, the penalties and the missed tackles are, are a little harder for me to get over. So, again, really good player. I have him as a second-round grade as well. So, um, he's my cornerback 10. Nice. So, again, still really like him, but yeah. I'm just going to put uh, USC, and I know that's going to piss some people off, but I like <laughs> the whole thing. Um, number nine for me also is Keely Ringo from georgia oh wow okay for some reason i thought you were gonna have him like fifth or something i flirted with the idea but uh ultimately decided against it so uh number eight for me i have julius brents from kansas state Mm -hmm. and then number seven is where i have darius rush as well Mm. so you know similar viewing there for the for the two of us so i'll talk a little bit about uh darius rush because like his background to me is really the intriguing thing. He's he's a tick bigger than Cam Smith, and he's a he's a tick uh, more athletic. I think he's certainly faster, has a higher vertical jump, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but he started his football career as a receiver. He never played corner until a couple of years ago when he made the switch at South Carolina. And when you look at his kind of background and and his ability to, you know, force receivers into mistakes, I think is something mm-hmm. that really stands out to me you know i think he's fourth in the class in in uh forced incompletion percentage mm. um and he just doesn't have the kind of i don't want to say baggage but he doesn't have the kind of bad reps that some of these other players do like his teammate cam Smith, i agree like tyree mm-hmm. stevenson like ringo and there's just a lot of upside here because he's just he's almost like a ball of clay like if if you feel like you yeah. you know you're getting one of a uh one of the higher upside corners in this class i wouldn't necessarily disagree with you because he has all the physical tools. His range is outstanding. His body type's a little unorthodox for corner. He's he's kind of a thicker athlete. Mm. Um, and I, I think there's just a lot you can do with him because he doesn't necessarily have like this is my type. This is this is my go-to mm. trait. Like this is who I am, like right now. Like there's no box that he's necessarily, you know, penciled into because he's he hasn't played corner for that long. And I think there's a lot that you can work with here and, you know, the ball skills stand out to me, obviously as a former receiver, his ability to, you know, bait uh, receivers into mistakes is really solid as well. So there's not a ton of production because he hasn't played corner for a long time, 
mm-hmm. but I think he's definitely somebody who will, you know, kind of turn into a turnover machine in the NFL yeah. if he gets into the right coaching because he's just so smart. He has those great ball skills as a former receiver. And like I mentioned, there's just there are no mistakes on his tape, like just egregious misses. Like I think Keely Ringo might have the highest upside in the class if you're talking mm-hmm. about like physical profile. But he's got a lot of bad reps against, you know, top-notch receivers. You're talking about Cedric Tillman is like a top 50 pick. You're talking about, you know, Marvin Harrison who's probably the best receiver <laughs> prospect of the last, you know, 10 years. Um, but there's a lot of bad there, you know. And, and, yeah. and with Darius Rush, you just don't see that. So, you know, he's very sound. He's very low-key. But I think there's just a lot to like there in terms of his potential upside. So, for me, he's, he's number seven just like he is for you. Yeah, he's – there was one play – I can't remember which game it was, but there was – um, he had to chase a receiver going down like the other way. Like there was, it was a gadget play or something. And yeah, it was receiver, against Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, took it like fifty yards that way. Then he followed him that way. And then went all the way down this way. And like, who could get to that guy first? And that was him running the full hundred yards, like stuff like that. I just, I, I love that sort of stuff. You know, you're looking for the coverage stuff. You're looking for the basic. You know, like the stuff you're supposed to grade. Um, I don't grade hearts by any means, but like tackling, you know, is part of it and stuff like that. Really stands out to me. He moves really really well like you said baiting guys into poor throws or you know fo- you know making like receivers seem like they're open or something and then being able to move up and bait them was so impressive both in the you know the good coverage reps that he has and even some of the, the poor ones where the receiver might beat him off the line for some reason or beat him on a slant but his recovery is so good that by the time the quarterback is yeah. throwing and getting the ball to him he's almost jumped in front of that quarterback or in front of the receiver to break up play so i, I really really do like rush quite a bit and while you were talking, and honestly, I think I have this off. I think I'm going to change it up even just when you were talking and thinking about it more. I'm going to put Rush at six for me. All right. Flip my other guy, um, Julius Brents, to number seven. Not that that means a whole lot <laughs> because sure. there's just one spot in a ranking and their grades are very similar. But thinking between the two, Brents is, uh, is the quote-unquote upside guy, I think, and his athletic testing definitely – shows that like if you're trying to go for someone go for the guy who tested through the roof but um and not that i dislike brents or for any reason he did nothing to drop in my rankings but i think <laughs> just thinking about like looking over my notes for rush and hearing you talk about him i realize how not like perfect he is but he's so darn good at everything that i think yeah i'm, I'm gonna move him up so rush is gonna be my number six yeah uh brents is let me make sure i have this right uh yeah, you know, obviously I have Brents at um, number eight, so I'm a little lower on him there. Again, there are some mistakes. Again, it's against Alabama. Like that, that shit happens. <laughs> like that's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, but Brents is kind of like if you miss out on Joey Porter in the first round. Like he's so yeah. long and lanky and fast, and, and you know he doesn't have the same kind of production as as Joey Porter Jr. And we'll, we'll get mm-hmm. to him in a second, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But there's a lot to like about Brents. I know Alex Insdorf, uh, you know, had him uh, going to the Chargers in the second round. So, um, you know, there's a lot to like with Brents, you know, in terms of his physicality, in terms of his, you know, projection as a press man corner. I think it just kind of depends. Like when you're weighing these cornerbacks, I think for me, like if there's if there's a similarly paired group of players, in this case, you know, I had Ringo Brents and Darius Rush all graded pretty similarly. Yeah. But it's it's like you know, you have to pencil Keely Ringo into a very specific scheme. And I think you mm. have to do that a little less with Julius Brents, but still like ideally you're talking about him being, uh, you know, heavy on the press man. Whereas Darius Rush, I think can do a bunch of everything. I think he can play zone. I think he can play mixed match. I think he'd play, 
as a press man cover corner. I think you can play as a, as a cover two, you know, Tampa two kind of corner. I just think there's a little bit more versatility there in terms of the types of coverage he's, he's can play. So that's how I've kind of learned to break ties at the cornerback yeah. position is like, okay, what can you do and how many different roles can you play? Because mm-hmm. Keely Ringo, like if he goes to, you know, uh, a Gus Bradley kind of scheme, like if the Chargers still had Bradley, he'd be yeah. a perfect fit because he's a press, he's a cover three kind of corner. Like just, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stereotype. Like I mentioned this on Twitter, he kind of gave me some, you know, San Francisco Richard Sherman vibes. You know, uh, that's who he is. Like that's the kind of ideal scheme for him, fit for him. But Darius Rush, like I said, I think he can, can just go anywhere and play anything. So that's just kind of how I, I, I broke that tie in particular. Yeah, nice. I respect that. So thank you for talking about it because now I've switched up my rankings. <laughs> not because <laughs> they had a suspension or a broken foot or something. Yeah, right. Okay, well, why don't you finish off uh, the five and number four? Okay, so at number five, I have Emmanuel. Nope, Emmanuel Forbes. Nope, that's okay. I don't know why. I've always been putting a T after his name, and I don't know why because I'm not that dumb. I know how to spell Forbes, and yet I keep putting <laughs> Forbest. Um, I don't know why. Can I spell Mississippi? I got it. Mississippi State. There we go. Did you have and to it, say it in your head? You're like, hey. yeah. Oh yeah. Am I I Absolutely. You know. You're in education. Yeah, um, number four, for me, Deontay Banks. Again, I, I hate putting Banks at number four. What kind of cruel world is this? Where I, have to I know someone with a first round grade at number four for me, um, but I will do that. So you, you sort of guess who my three, two, uh, one is in some order. Um, I I get Forbes as a skinny guy. We'll get that out of the way. He's a buck sixty six. Uh, that doesn't mean that he can't go somewhere and fatten up, perhaps. I don't know. But a buck 66 is certainly an outlier. But it's not like he's really short and skinny. Like yeah. I, I don't really see why he couldn't put on more mass or why he even didn't, for that matter. Um, but someone will get a good cooking going and, and get him all fed up and caught up. Um, but he's still six foot, almost six foot one, you know, 32 inch, I think 32.25 inch arms or whatever. So there's, there's still plenty of physical traits to work with. He's just skinny. Um, but for the second year in a row, I have a corner from Mississippi State with a second round grade. Um, I do like Forbes more than Emerson. I liked Emerson a lot. Uh, but he's another player that's really good at everything. Like, a lot of these guys on this list are good at a lot of things. I always, you know, sometimes watching corners like, up, oh, there's a zone corner, up, oh, there's a zone corner, up, oh, there's a zone corner. And that's yeah. kind of it. Or like, oh, he struggles in man. That's it. Like with Forbes, I can see him playing zone, man, like in the slot. He's got good instincts to, to play the run. Um, there's, he's a player that I just, I saw them put him on an island at different points and just let him do different things, mix up his coverages. Um, you know, when, when Texas A&M started to throw at him, they, were, they, they, they fell behind. Texas A&M fell behind and he returned the favor with a pick, a pick six, and then yeah. an absolute truck stick on a, on a wide receiver. Like that's how good he is. Like they, he wasn't tested as much, I think, in the games that I watched. But as soon as they kind of had to, it was, okay, here's a pick, here's a pick six, here's a truck stick hit. Like, that's what you get for trying to go after me. Um, so I, I genuinely think he could be like a top three, four corner in most classes. Um, I, I really do I like him. I really like his versatility. Forbes, I don't want to say Forbes and Rush are kind of similar, but in the sense that I do like their versatility, I do have them very similarly. Um, so Forbes number five for me. Yeah, you know, when I heard about this 165 pound corner that was like shooting up draft boards. I'm like, okay, but he's 165 pounds. Like there's, there's gotta be some bad run defense tape on here. Right. Like he's just so little. 
And teams would go out and teams would test him with tunnel screens and jet sweeps and, you know, every single kind of, you know, run that is, is targeted at corners. And he was up for the challenge, man. I think very similarly to, you know, Travius uh, Hodges Tomlinson. Yeah. You know, their size isn't an indictment for them. Like they're able to, you know, go out and be physical and play at the point of attack as, as cornerbacks and be able to seal off that edge. So, um, Emmanuel Forbes has a ton of uh, ball production to his name. I think he's gotten, um, I forget the exact number. I want to say it was like 14 interceptions over the last three years. Um, and this, I don't know if you had that up, but I don't have in front of me um, just a ton of ball production. So yeah, he probably needs to add some weight. Right. But, um, you know, like you're talking about, you know, it's not like he's skinny and a bad athlete. It's not like he's skinny and short. Like he's 70, 70th in percentile in height. He's 92nd percentile in wingspan, 78th mm-hmm. in arm length. Um, and he ran a 4.35. Like he's incredibly fast. You know, he jumped 37 and a half inches in the vertical jump. Like he's skinny, but he's a great athlete. Like he's a pre, he's a premium yeah. athlete at the position. And that wingspan, I think, really shows up on tape as well. So um, I think that it's a concern that he's 165 pounds. Don't get me wrong. Like sure. I, I question how durable he can be, mm-hmm. but it's not like, you know, I have to bump him down, you know, several spots because he's, you know, 30 pounds lighter than Julius Brents or whatever the case is 40 pounds, I guess, probably. Um, but I think that the tape is fantastic, man. And the ball production really stands out. His run defense uh, ability stands out too. So um, I have him at number, let me make sure. Yeah, I'm at number six, which is, like you said, it's just crazy how stacked this class is. Um, I'm just going to put Mississippi State like that. Um, and then number five for me, I have uh, Brian Branch from Alabama. And I understand like why you would want to have him at safety. And then I have yeah. number four for me is Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. Cool. So we've talked a lot about uh, Branch already. Um, I think he's an elite slot defender from day one as 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 uh, an NFL starter. Oh, mm-hmm. looks like Everett O'Neill said 14 picks, 17 pass breakups. Like, yeah, <laughs> for Emmanuel Forbes. Like, mm-hmm. that's elite ball production, man. Like, that's hard to come by. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Joey Porter Jr., I think in terms of a very specific style, he's the best press man corner in this class. Like, I think his ability yeah. to use his length and direct receivers really stands out. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I, I talked about Mozzie Smith when we did the defensive line rankings. Like, just his grip strength and his ability to dictate terms was so far and away the best in that class and, and, and for defensive tackles. And it's the same kind of thing for Joey Porter Jr. Like, his ability to dictate terms at the point of attack is, is so, so good. I'm a tad concerned about the penalties. You know, mm-hmm. in the NFL, he's not going to be able to be as physical as he was in college. You know, there's there's different rules. You have to get out of press much faster. You have to bail. And I just got a question, you know, and it's very nitpicky. I have a first round grade on him. He's my number four corner. But I just kind of question what is he able to do after the press coverage? You know, when mm. when he has to bail, like what does that really look like in the NFL? And I think it'll be really good, but it's just some minor question marks that I think he'll he'll have to clean up. I think he'll get there. Like I said, I have a first round grade on him. Yeah, but when comparing him with the other three who are coming after this, I just think there's there's some things that need to be cleaned up more so than the other, than the other guys. Yeah, I would agree. Compared to the oh, okay, so he'll be my third. But compared to the two corners yeah. I have ahead of him, 
Um, you know, a little bit less fluid. I do have, I think he's a bit like a, a tick behind in terms of coverage, change of direction at several points. But yeah, um, I mean, the 34 inch arms are the 34 inch arms. And <laughs> it's, it's a crazy length, man. It's insane. And his ability, like, I can't even consider some of these guys with 33 inch arms to have long arms because he's got 34 inch arms. And it actually really stands out to me in the run game. Like he's able to make first mm. meaningful contact playing the run and shedding defenders underneath. Um, of course, like in press man, he's throwing off the timing of the offense. There's so many moments where I'll watch him play or the, the offense try to go. And the quarterback, college quarterback, running a system, throws to a spot where the receiver is going to be. And he's not there several times because he's been disrupted off the time. And I think that really, really stands out to me. Um, as far as the, you know, after you've pressed, what happens with the coverage, you know, down the field or whatever, that is definitely uh, a concern. But I also think that, there's part of his physical profile that just makes up for some of those mistakes. If I'm 100%. trying to watch, like, I forget which game it was, but there were several moments where the quarterback was trying to throw it, like drop it into a bucket over Joy Porter Jr. And maybe you could, but it's, it's so low percentage because the athleticism to get there is already there. He's already pressed him and maybe thrown off some timing. And then if you do happen to throw it perfectly, the guy's got 34-inch arms to so just throw his hand up in the air yeah. and knock it down. So it, it does make things very difficult. So, you know, I think if he didn't maybe have those physical traits... Uh, if you were let's say a shorter corner or something like he would be lower on the list but he just has a different kind of frame a different physical profile that allows him to make up for some of those mistakes 100 his recoverability because of his length is is top notch as well so uh first in the class enforcing completion percentage as well we should definitely highlight that i would like to see him come down with some more interceptions um solo man in the chat says he has butterfingers i wouldn't go that far but i would like to see more ball production i think he'll get there uh in the nfl so um, very high quality player for sure. Um, so obviously you have Porter at three. How do you have Christian Gonzalez and Devon Witherspoon sorted out? All right. So let me just add that to the list. I have them graded the exact same. Um, Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez are my, two of my three players on my big board on the top three. Uh, they're two and three. They're that's, so how, good, that's how they're good so I think good. these guys are. So I literally, literally put it down to the statistics and it came down to Devin Witherspoon at number one for me. I do not care. I, I will put, if, if Gonzalez is number one, I'm awesome. I totally get it because <laughs> I'm trying to pick between these two similarly graded players was literally impossible that I had to make the coin flip be the numbers. And that was it. Like, that's all I could do. So for me, um, and Christian Gonzalez is also, I think, probably the better ceiling player, and he's not even 21 yet. So I, I get it. It should be a, a there should be no two and one for me. It should be for me like one A one B. But and also I have no idea where Illinois keeps finding these defensive backs, but they're insane. <laughs> oh wait, I just put him number two. Ah, see, that's how difficult it is. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Christian Gonzalez. Nope, you can do it, Tyler. There we go. Christian Gonzalez. Um, Z A L E nope, easy. People actually have to watch this. I'm so sorry. Okay, Christian <laughs> Gonzalez from Oregon, Devin Witherspoon from um from Illinois. I'm I think I know who your corner one is. So I'll let you talk about him. So I'll talk about the other guy. I'm pretty sure it hasn't changed. So for me, um, Witherspoon, dynamic playmaking corner who can affect the game of football in all areas. Um, on the out, like he for Illinois lined up everywhere you needed him to. On the outside, he's controlling the boundary. Um, he's decisive. He's got exceptional ball skills and and production. You know, when he's tasked with stopping the run, I don't think he's the most like sure tackler, 
but he brings it and he brings the hammer in the run game. That's very evident. He wants to be a part of the run game. Sometimes the tackling style can lead to misses, um, but also more often than not, it's him just making for a, a play for a gain of one, a, a loss, zero a loss or something. Um, excellent there from the slot. He dominates against slot players, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it's a tight end. He's so quick to trigger. Again, the ball production is really, really awesome. So quick to trigger in those moments, get his arm in front of the receiver, break up a pass. Uh, he's got 14 pass breakups and three picks on the season. 20 pass broke, passes broken up the last two years. Just one touchdown allowed. And again, between him and Gonzalez, it really just came down to which one has been, at least in college, the more pain in the ass to throw against. And you know, on the season, he's allowed you know fewer than 20 yards nine times. Uh, only one game going over 32 yards the entire season. Uh, 206 yards allowed. That's it. Like that. That is the production that he had. The numbers that he had. I'm not saying they're the same player, but it's kind of what Sauce Gardner did in college his final season. Like mm. the numbers, just like that's it. Nobody threw on him. There was nothing yeah. you could do. There was no numbers to say that this team or player ever really dominated Sauce Gardner. They didn't. And I kind of feel that same with him. So, um, 22 catches on 62 targets. The ball production's there. The athleticism is there. The film is there. The flexibility is there. I loved watching him. I love watching Christian Gonzalez. Gonzalez was like, I, I couldn't believe it when I was watching him, how talented he was, how good he is. So I'll let you talk about him. But both of these guys are just so darn good. I really loved watching both of them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go wrong. This is very much like a Penesul, Rashawn Slater debate situation um, where it's like, Okay, like who who maybe has uh, you know the longer arms? Who maybe is a, a you know kind of the power, more powerful player? Like you have to kind of nitpick a little bit here and then to try and like break this tie up. And yeah, I think your process was sound. I mean, Devon Witherspoon like on the stat sheet looks fantastic, and Christian's on Christian Gonzalez hasn't hit that point just yet in his career. So uh, Witherspoon, there's a ton to like, man. He he um, he's a better athlete and he's bigger, but he gave me like uh, uh, Tyron Matthew vibes, just like. I'm just going to be a pain in the ass. I'm just going to be around the football. Like you're not going to yeah. be able to throw on me. Like it, he's a super fun player to watch. Um, the penalties are a little, a, a tad concerning. And again, similar to Joey Porter jr. He's not going to be able to play as physical in the NFL as he is in, in or as physical as he did in college. So he'll have to adjust, but I think that's, you know, he'll, he'll do that for sure. Um, so yeah, at number three for me, I have uh, Deontay banks from Maryland. I think his teammate, uh, I didn't necessarily grade yet. Jacorian Bennett, also a fantastic player. Mm. Um, so interested to dive into him after this. But uh, yeah, I have Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, number two, and then Christian Gonzalez at number one. Um, so yeah, in terms of uh, Christian Gonzalez, I think his, his statistical profile is certainly not the best, but just from a sheer athleticism standpoint, um, mm -hmm. just size, height, weight, speed, all really, really good. Um, 89th percentile height. You know, he's got 70th percentile wingspan, 70th, 70th percentile arm length. So it's not necessarily, you know, a super lanky player, but I mean, he ran a 438, which is 89th percentile, a 41 and a half inch vertical, 96th percentile, 133 inches in the broad jump, 95th percentile. So you're talking about like a truly premium athlete at the position. Yeah. And the thing that really, for me, kind of separates him from the other height, weight, speed guys in this class 
is his ability to change directions and yep. how many different kind of coverages and profiles he can cover. And so you watch him against uh, Utah, for example, they matched him up with Dalton Kincaid. And, you know, they understood that that's where Utah's bread was buttered and they made the right decision because Utah's receivers were trash. Um, but then you go <laughs> watch him against, you know, uh, Georgia and he's exclusively on, I forget his name. He's a younger player, but he's exclusively, you know, one-on-one -on -one against their, their ex receiver. And I think he can truly be a cornerback who you can build your coverage around. You know, he can be mm -hmm. a um, Jalen Ramsey type. He can be a, a sauce Gardner type who you talked about for Devon Witherspoon. But yeah, in terms of, Hey, this guy's just going to shut off this side of the field. Mm -hmm. And we're able to, you know, change the math over here. Like that's who Christian Gonzalez can be. And, and the ball production is not there. I think some of that is just teams not being willing to test him. I wish we had seen him play, you know, against better competition for sure in terms of mm -hmm. like receivers. And, you know, we didn't get to see him against Ohio State. We didn't get to see him against Michigan. We didn't get to see him against some of these other teams who have, you know, elite receivers like we did with Devon Witherspoon in the Big Ten and Joey Porter. Mm hmm so I do think there is some of that baked into the lack of numbers for him. You know, he just didn't get thrown at a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But in terms of his ability as an athlete, like it's just so, so good. And he was, uh, I believe, a state champion uh, long jumper in Texas, which is just like, okay, like what kind of elite athletes are coming out of Texas? So right. there's his uh, sister ran in the Olympics for Columbia. Like there's just... Oh, know, wow. Elite athletic. Uh, this is all information coming from the beast from Dane Brugger, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic work there. So just like athletic profile is, is off the charts. I think his ability to be a smooth operator and just like be the same low key player on a down to the bound basis really kind of reminded me of Patrick Sertan. Like he just mm -hmm. knew like he was the best player out there and it didn't matter who he was going up against. You want me to guard a tight end? I'll do it. You want me to guard a, uh, a Jordan Aston type, I'll do that. You want me to guard a, a 6'3", you know, X receiver, I'll do that too. So mm -hmm. I think just the versatility that he brings to the table and the athletic profile was was so, so good. So uh, my hot take, I guess, if you will, he's my number one player in this class ahead of Will Anderson and B. John. Oh, Robinson. really? Wow. Really. And uh, Devon Witherspoon is not far behind. I have Devon Witherspoon at number five overall. So uh, <laughs> both of these players are fantastic. I love both of these corners. Um, and this class in general, man, like we keep saying, it's an elite class for a reason. Yeah. Calling Gonzalez a smooth operator is actually think the perfect way to describe it. I think Witherspoon, I wouldn't call him a smooth operator. I'd almost call him kind of a freaky fanatic, you know, not frenetic, you know, wild sort of player, but like just kind of like a more yeah. like, I don't know, uh, Wolverine kind of player or something. Gonzalez being that perfect, like shut down one side of the field, smooth operator. That's perfect. But the Duke can tackle. Yeah. Um, part of it, I mean, literally, the missed tackle rate is fantastic, which was such a sigh of relief. I watched him first after watching the safety group, which is not great with tackling. Um, and just to see him with that profile, I mean, the dude's in love with tackling. It's just like he wants to be in on these plays. A lot of guys in this class, I really feel like they are just like that. Um, yeah, smooth operator, excellent player. Um, I don't have his number one. But I have him as number three, so that's not <laughs> bad. Um, and then Witherspoon number two. Uh, I still well Will Anderson number one. Spoiler: I doubt that changes. But I mean, the, these corners, man. Like, if, if I just want to go through the list, like Witherspoon's two, Gonzalez is three, Porter is five, um, Banks is fourteen. Like, it's just it, it, 
four corners in the top 15 is ridiculous. So good. And and, and again, 10 of them at least in the top 52 for me. Beautiful class. Yeah, yeah same here. So, um, you know, this, this group, man, I, I couldn't stop watching. Like I got 215 and I was like, I probably should start watching a little bit more of the offensive tackles, but you know, it's just, it just, it just kept reeling me in. So um, interesting question I want to do address from uh, Zeus era here. He, he yeah. wants to know where we would have, you know, Derek Stingley, JC Horn coming out of this class. And you can highlight too, if you want like sauce or mm-hmm. uh, Sertan or, or whoever you want. But um, in terms of like where Gonzalez and Witherspoon particular kind of stand out for you, how would you maybe have kind of the last few years grouped together if you would? Some of it's revisionist because I feel like the last two years I've, which is funny because I have Witherspoon first, with having Horn over Sertan, and Horn had an excellent year last year and mm-hmm. was having a good rookie year. He just got hurt. And then with having Stingley over Sauce, it was like, okay, there's a player that's really, really freaking good. But what if you could get a gooder player in <laughs> the other guy that I really, really like too? because of the ball skills and because maybe they can bring a bit more. So sure. Like the way I would rank Stingley now is different than I would have ranked him last year where I had Stingley number one. But if I had to like retroactively go back and, and because of the way I've sort of considered how I've graded, like I I do firmly believe Witherspoon and Gonzalez are are pretty equal here. Um, I'd probably have Stingley third, um, which means if I had to not change my grading, Ahmad Sauce Gardner would be fourth. But I see, like, looking into it now, if I had to just blindly grade these players based on how I would do things now, it would probably be Stingley at four, or no, Stingley at five, Sertan at like four or five or something. So it's tough to say because you're, you're looking like, the way I felt about those players so different than now. Um, but I really say that Witherspoon is the number one player for me ranked out of those guys, I guess, like based on the way I've graded them and yeah. the way that I graded them at the time. Yeah, I think it'd be Witherspoon and then a toss between, I don't know, Gonzalez and, and Sertan and, and those guys. But it's also close. Like I would probably have to stack those guys up numbers wise and really look at the athleticism and really look at the numbers and really look at the competition. And part of that was the case for Sauce Gardner is like, you know, is, is it the stuffers competition all there? Is he as aggressive in the run game? Um, as it turns out, run game or not, he's just an excellent, excellent coverage corner. So I feel like I overthought yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, Sauce, I had probably the best rookie cornerback season in NFL history. So, yeah, I think uh, I was probably guilty of that too. Um, in terms of like pure prospect grades, I would still have Gonzalez and Witherspoon as one and two. Um, JC Horn was my corner one in that class, and, and he's been a, a really freaking good corner in the NFL too. Mm-hmm. So I I would have him ahead of Banks and Porter for sure. I would. Um, Stingley I probably would put behind Banks because Stingley had all the injury concerns. There was uh, it was not really a a talent thing. It was just like mm-hmm. you know what does he really look like at this point in time because he hadn't really played and you know his best uh, college football was you know two years previous when he was a freshman. So yeah, um, you know uh, Stingley versus Porter Jr. would be an interesting debate. Um, obviously Porter Jr. a little bit older, but more physical. So um, in terms of Sertan, I would have Sertan behind Witherspoon as well. You know, him and hey, him and JC Horn were so close for me in that class. Um, you know, Sertan uh, would be ahead of Banks, but behind Witherspoon too. So 
Christian Gonzalez is the highest corner grade I've given, and Devon Witherspoon is second. So mm-hmm. these these two are just top notch, truly cornerbacks, in my opinion. Yeah, they are. I, I when I have to go look, I changed my grading scale to a ten point grading scale, so it's tough to say like exactly yeah. how the numbers would stack up. Um, but yeah, they're really really good. So, so like the way some of these top corners have transitioned, like if they any team who gets them, it seems like the uh, the Falcons are in on a, or not the Falcons, the Lions are in on a corner. They're going to have a lot of fun. Like if they go find Gonzalez and then, I mean, I think you suggest like taking Brian Branch again later uh, as another person out of their secondary. Like they're going to be amazing. Two second round picks as well. They could go yeah. find another one of these corners that are really good. They're, yeah. they're going to be fun this year. Yeah. This, um, this is interesting. Cause like I was doing, I just wanted to do like a full, you know, one through 32 mock the other day, just like to see how I would kind of stack these players up. And, you know, it was like, okay, like what would I do? And, you know, I got to number four with the Colts and it's like, would I rather take Christian Gonzalez or I want to take Will Levis? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's just some things mm-hmm. out there that I'm like, okay, like how do I want to do this? And, you know, I think it's a, it's a real thing for these NFL teams to have to figure out like, okay, like where are we at as a franchise? Like who should we really, you know, uh, target in this kind of situation? Yeah, and this cornerback class is is so good. Like to me, if you have like a needed position, and it's like okay, but I also might need a corner. It's like I almost might just default to corner because I just think like this group is is that special. Yeah, yeah, and they the safety group had maybe two guys who were really athletic and both were at Illinois somehow. But this corner group, like, how many of your fifteen corners were super athletes? Probably like twelve of them. Yeah, yeah. And, and the guys that aren't are just because they're five nine. And that's it. Like, but they still run a four two six, like DJ Turner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could you just feel so good about this class because even if the the film wasn't perfect and they're a second round grade or whatever, they're still freaking athletic, and you can make that work. Yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't talk a ton about Deontay Banks, for example, but mm-hmm. um, Banks is. Let me make sure I get this right on. So Banks, uh, he ran a four three five which is 92nd percentile. He jumped 42 inches in the vertical, 97th percentile, 136 yeah. inches in the broad jump, 98th percentile. He's six foot. He's 197 pounds. Like his, his length, his lack of length, I think is something to be a little concerned about, but I mean, this dude, in terms of physical testing, like 89th percentile, 10 yard split, like the athleticism in this class is, is crazy, man. And I think like, that's part of the reason why I can't really talk about Clark Phillips is like, I love him. Like the ball production is so, so good in terms of interceptions and his instincts, mm-hmm. but it's like, he's five, nine and, and he ran a four five, like comparing these guys, is, it's just different. So, yeah. uh, you know, and it's the same thing with, with, uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Like I think Travis has, a you know, he has some really fun tape, but it's like, he's five, seven, <laughs> like he's even shorter than Clark Phillips. So it's just, you know, you get to a certain point where it's like, you know, uh, you know, how do you differentiate these guys? Like Makai, uh, Blackman from USC, he's like second in the composite rankings, but he ran like a four five, five, like he's just mm-hmm. not a great athlete. So, um, this class is, is just loaded, man. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, I actually was just, I just turned on a simulation right now to see where these corners go. And I mean, if you look at the charges in the second round, they're staring at, let's see. I mean, Smith, Forbes, Ringo, Brents, Turner. I mean, Phillips, if you want. 
I, I don't know, man. I, I know Chargers fans want one thing. I think you're going to be surprised when they take a defensive back early. Yep. We know how much Brandon said he likes defensive back. So uh would definitely not uh, be surprised there. All right, Tyler, any other uh, final thoughts before we head out for tonight? Uh, no, thank you everyone for, for watching this one. I know in a sense, it's really not a need for the Chargers because in terms of the sheet, like they have players there and they have a player that like in Jaw Taylor and they could sign Bryce Callahan back at the same time. It's a heck of a class. Um, so thank you guys for watching and, and really kind of getting into these corners and watching them with us. I didn't expect over 100 people for a, a corner episode. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the the offensive lineman episodes we did were <laughs> were definitely uh, not as packed. So, you know, I, I get it. It's a, it's appreciated. So um, this is a really fun group, man. Hopefully uh, we can, you know, get some people on board with taking a cornerback early in this draft because the group is just special. So we're uh, less than two weeks from the draft. We got uh, one more offensive tackle ranking episode to get to this week. Uh, you know, we go from the, the freaky athletes who are 190 pounds to the to the 320 pound guys. Uh, I love the transition. So uh, we'll have offensive tackles later this week. And then that's it for us. So no more watching college tape, which I cannot wait for because I'm so sick of watching college offenses and defenses. Um, but this, uh, you know, we're going to have a fun weekend plan for you guys as well. And then next week for the draft is going to be a lot of fun too. So as always, make sure you like the video, comment, subscribe. If you are listening, make sure and leave a rating review. We always appreciate that as well. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.